0: Hi, and good afternoon to the Rugby Bits podcast. And t- today, um, as you can hear, Tyler is, is does not, uh, is not taking control. It's me, Sean, and I'm joined by Jared in the UK, who's managing to keep warm. And we obviously haven't heard a lot from him. And that's obviously because he's got all the electricity and cooks who somehow we managed to tie down um, after him being gallivanting all the way around the country. Um, with The cricket cooks, I'm gonna start with you, Matt. Uh, it's been ages. Happy New Year! How are you doing?
1: I mean, uh, first of all, like happy holidays, Merry Christmas, um, happy New Year's to everyone. Um, I, I was someone on Twitter, Colin Bull, asked me, they first asked me, they thought maybe I'd left rugby, but they're like, has Cooks left? Has there been a sort of tension that Cooks has walked out? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back.
0: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> We will, if there ever is problems, we'll live tweet that stuff, man. Like, we'll just go go hard with it. If we're quiet, it uh, means we're on holiday.
2: Sean, I just want to point out uh, that Cooks wasn't on, I don't think he was on at all in December. And um, now, all of a sudden, that Racing have won a game, Sancio, Khaleesi, and uh, Finn's like now gotten them off of their (laughs) losing streak the whole of December. He's back. I'm just saying, I don't think it's a coincidence
0: no it's definitely not but uh, i had i had that saved for later but that's a, a great one yeah cooks you you now have to defend yourself mate
1: no to be fair i mean besides actually um being on basically tours of africa for the cricket i've also been um, doing some bath uh, research, research for the last month and places to go in bath um what to do <laughs> uh, what's the rugby stadium like um with the culture there so I'm just was trying to traumatize myself for the big move i mean come after may so that's been I feel like I needed to. I needed. I needed a month away from the part, sort of, not to be distracted. And obviously, you know how it is getting visas and passports. It's been a nightmare.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's going to be incredible. I tell you, uh, from, from a truth point of view, I think uh, I was chatting to a mate. Mine a massive bath fan, and I and I said that this bath team has been missing Danny Cipriani. Um, I think they've been missing that kind of fly half. And I know that he was. He, I thought when he left, I thought he should have hung around. Well, uh, the how is it be should have tried and everyone should have tried to get him to hang around. And then they went and signed the, the second best fluff in the world in, in Finn Russell. So, I mean, I mean that like when it comes to, when it comes to like throwing the ball around between Finn Russell and Danny Cipriani, it's pretty much they're cut from the same cloth.
1: Yeah. So the worst, that's so, so the worst replacement in the world for, for Danny Sips and me being a, a Danny Sips fan. So yeah, I, I'm very interested to see, I mean, to see the, the, the both project with Finn. I think, Obviously the they linked quite a few big players coming through that side as well. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um obviously I was hoping that whenever I do go to Europe or been to Paris to watch Ben Russell now could uh, have get used to the cold in 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 board. So I don't I don't know who actually wins here. I don't know. So it, it might be a lose-lose situation for me in terms of the spectacle of, of what to do watch Ben Russell's like love rugby.
0: Now, Cooks, you've been doing a lot of traveling uh with cricket. Um, so two 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 things. Uh, one a boring one, I want to know where the best stadium is. But the other one, I want to know where your best hotel meal has been. Because, I mean, you really haven't had a home-cooked meal in ages, so you, you could be quite expert at uh, telling us where the best hotel meal is in South Africa so far.
1: <laughs> when it comes to stadiums, I'm always um, – I am a homeboy. I'm a buyer in the George's and George PE. So I mean, That's where I grew up. I mean, but uh, I go to the Wanderers on Tuesday. I've been to the Wanderers before, but I've never been – the wine is when it's full apparently that's the best place to cricket in South Africa but St. George's Park i one of the band is also a vibe I mean Newlands is always special that's an incredible view but I would say St. George's Park and the best hotel meal I've had I mean we get breakfast and that's why I love traveling it's the, the hotel breakfast and I'll probably say in a hotel called The Vineyard it's very we don't know how we got promoted there at work in Kajan they had an incredible incredible breakfast I mean they 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 didn't only have white bread and brown bread. They had like rye bread. They had like um, what do you call it, like shiobata, like, like the display was 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 incredible. Um, they also had like any places any any place that has lamb sausages as well. I don't think I've ever seen lamb sausages. I've seen the pork sausages and beef bangers, but lamb sausages was like this place is it's, it's clearly above my um, my pay grade. I mean, often of my girlfriends are listen to this, but she actually she will be going to the vineyard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably say the vineyard. I mean, incredible, incredible breakfast. Um, also most places go streaky bacon. They go back bacon. So I like, I like the bigger, bigger bacon pieces. So, it, so the vineyard it, it had me it, it stole my heart.
0: Well, the, for all of those re, uh, restaurants and hotels out there listening, you just got to do a bread selection and a whole bunch of bacon, and cooks is your man, signed and sealed. Um. <laughs> Jared, man, it's been it's been forever, dude. Um, I know you've been tied down with with your new job and all that, but how are things going in the UK and and what's been cracking?
2: Yeah, yeah, all good. Just sort of cracking on. Um, yeah, the weather isn't as bad as uh, most people say. Um, but yeah, I I do feel for Finn so he's going from like um the massive uh Nancy ninety two stadium to um the wreck that was flooded this weekend, so. It's just crazy. Don't you to think ever that, uh... speak badly about
0: the wreck? <laughs> yeah, well, not you ever speak, speak badly about too. the wreck. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, it's, it's weird like to. It's the stadium's fault. <laughs> they've got a massive river yeah. next to
2: it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, It's not Racine's fault that they've gone and built like a massive stadium either. So I'm just saying it's a, it's a crazy change of pace for him. And yeah, I, I sort of feel the same. Like just. Uh, random things like uh flooding is like still a major issue in most uh areas. It's just a crazy one. But uh yeah, I've been watching a lot of rugby, which is always a, a great way to distract you. And yeah. I suppose inside uh I'd I'd be inside watching the rugby anyway. So it's uh the weather's not playing too much of an issue for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, massive shout out to Gloucester and Kingshome who hosted Bath versus Toulon in the Challenge Cup after um, as as mentioned by Jared, after the game was was called off, it was some some heavy heavy rains in Bath, and uh, Kingsome uh, graciously put everyone up, and they and they played a cracking game in the Challenge Cup, and Toulon won it. But looking at the stats and the numbers, uh, it was basically all Bath, and Toulon were just holding on with some with a great defensive effort. So, if you do get a chance to catch the highlights of that game, I would recommend it. I haven't seen it yet, so uh, go go keep an eye for it. As always, we're going to jump onto the first phase and um, something that was more, um, well, it was very relevant when when we posted it last week, but with Netflix announcing that they're going to be doing a Six Nations um, show or a piece on the Six Nations, we asked all the Dirt Trackers who, what reality TV show, which team in history would they like to to watch a, a show about? Um Brumby, Brumby fan uh, called the Wallabies in 1999 and Brumby's in 2004. Um, Colin S. Rugby, Munster, 2006. Um, that was, that would have been a massive shot. That would have been a good one. We've got a couple of absolute crackers. Um, the uh, Rion Low Ringo, who's a massive, massive, we're both massive fans of each other. We love watching his, uh, his videos. He's on YouTube, so please keep an eye out for him some great rugby insights and, and some good banter. But he was first to reply and absolutely nailed it in my book. He said the 2011 French side in the Rugby World Cup, how they mutinied against their coach and then still made the final and nearly went on to win it. So that was a pretty absolute world-class call that. And imagine watching that on, on the French side. But Jared, did you, did you manage to pick up any?
2: Yeah, I, I think any of the Lions uh, tour ones would be great. So, like, we got to see the South Africans in um, the, the more recent one, but I think the 2009 one would have been great as well. I think Tyler mentioned the um, 2003 Springboks, which I don't think we need to go into too much more detail about that. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Rian nailed it with uh, France in 2011. I don't think you can get much better than that one.
0: Yeah. I uh, I put down the, two, the 2011 to 2014 Clermont side. Now, they didn't win anything, but they went 77 games unbeaten at home. And I would have loved to have watched a documentary on that because there's everything there. There's the, the highs of, of the wins. Some of the wins they had, I watched a few of them were incredible. Then not going on to win um, when you're playing a, a, away from home um and getting knocked out of tournaments stuff like that uh and then going 77 games and then that last game that they that well the game that that killed their run was against castra was in a playoff in the top 14. so i would have loved to have seen that would have been a quite a long uh, a long one to put together um cooks a little bit on the spot there i'm not sure if you had a chance to think about it yet but but you have a suggestion for a netflix documentary side
1: i did um I think one out of the box one I thought out of love to I would love to watch a documentary on the Sharks two thousand seven Super Rugby losing side. I mean the, like just how Dick Me obviously is known as a finder of talent, how he managed to get like JB Peterson, Ruan Binar and like Brad Barrett and Well and Murray. I thought that would have been a good watch. I, I like a documentary with a bit of a sad ending as well. Obviously obviously ending with stupid Brian Banner scoring a try in like, <laughs> to 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 win it, I'm saying the cause yeah, it still breaks it still breaks my heart. This I hold some sort of resentment against him to this day. Um, and then, I, and then also, I also said uh, I would love to watch the 2015 World Cup Springboks sort of documentary and just to see Heineke Meyer that week post Japan loss. Because I mean, I remember mm. his press conferences often was a bit wild. I would love to see obviously the turnaround and obviously him saying it, giving the team obviously some sort of leeway that players make decisions how. You almost took that away, and he's like, "Listen, everything's my way now." I would love to. Obviously, I would, I would, I would love to see that. And I said, "Um, twenty twenty-two uh, 2022, um, Black Ferns as well. Obviously, from Wayne Smith taking over to them winning the World Cup, being the juggernaut that is England. I think those three would be very, very fascinating to watch."
0: Oof, I think that was a great shot, great shot so. Yeah, that that Springbok one, yeah, off the, in twenty fifteen would have been would have been very interesting. Um, uh, Sean, just
2: uh, with, yeah. with your French uh, suggestion, um, I, w- I would love to see one on Stade de France say, um, under their previous owner, Max uh, Guzzini, when they had all those uh, dances on the pitch and they went full on with the pink jerseys. Like the stories that come out of that uh, time in Stade de France, I, I think it would make a brilliant uh, series. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah listen the 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 french club owners they're they're more (laughs) eccentric than not i mean i think about toulon um i mean i heard some wild stories out of toulon when like when banner and wilkinson and ghetto were there not not like wild stories about like what players got out to just like stuff that went on behind the scenes and it was crazy like you think it's run like a finely tuned business and (laughs) find out that some guys haven't been paid and and it's just like, oh, oops, we forgot to pay you. Like, we'll sort it out tomorrow kind of thing. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I reckon, um, I reckon if, you, if you spend some time in France, if you spend some time in France, you, you'd get some epic stories. Sorry, Jared. Yeah, Bucky's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: Bucky's charging into the owner of uh, Toulon's office after he didn't get paid. And apparently that happened just once. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm yes, not out Yes, and I'm for, pretty so sure <laughs> everyone
0: was paid after that too. Yeah. Now yeah, ironically, yeah. too long. I mean, that's, that wasn't the first time I uh, like, um, I know that Drew Mitchell also, he had like stuff was paid mm-hmm. short at one stage. He didn't know because he, was, he wasn't like checking, checking, and then he checked and like, so like, they were like half salaries paid and stuff like that. And you're just like, what the hell's going on? But anyway, moving on swiftly, we're going to move from something controversial into something even more controversial. We're going to talk about, um, something that, we all woke up to, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, well, sorry, the Northern Hemisphere, but the South Africans woke up to it, but the Northern Hemisphere definitely woke up to it, was um, um, Eddie Jones is now the head coach of the Wallabies. Now, absolute massive bombshell. Um, You know, I didn't expect him to be out of rugby for too long. I thought that he'd get a little look in at the Wallabies, but I never saw Dave Rennie getting dumped and Eddie Jones being put in his place. Um, uh, and it, it's quite insane. He signed a five-year deal um, with the Wallabies, so everyone's laughing already saying it's it's silly he'll never last. Well, well done to Eddie Jones for for arranging a five-year contract because they'll always have to buy him out of it, so well played to him. You've got to look after number one. But more importantly, Eddie Jones is a short-term um, turnaround guy, um, second maybe only to Russie, Rasmus and <laughs> Jacques Nienaber, He's, uh, Warren Gatlin's also a really good one, but you know, he can turn a side around. Can he do it in nine months? We'll have to have a little look-see. I don't think the Wallabies are that bad. So it wouldn't be too much to turn around, but he's also going to be running the, running the Wallaby ship when the British and Irish lines make their, their way to Australia. So yeah, cooks. I mean, what are your thoughts, man? <laughs> what a, what a, what a massive, massive, uh, statement by the rugby Australia. First of all,
1: nothing surprises me if from a board that schedules games on Thursdays. And <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not really surprised.
0: <laughs> oh, well played. I love it. There's nothing, I love it.
1: Like, everyone's so shocked. I mean, like, what, what did you expect? I mean, but um, oh, man, besides the Springbok, obviously, projects, mean, like trying to join the World Cup, I found the Wallabies, the job that Dave really was doing the most fascinating. I thought that he was onto something. I think, obviously, it was a young side. I mean, Bari and like Quay Cooper and and players like that. But I, I thought that um, I, I I just thought that he was on something. I, I know the consistency wasn't there, but that's what happens when it is a young side. And 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 I always felt that they weren't going to peak in twenty this year for this World Cup. It almost looked like their time was obviously Lions tour twenty twenty five and going to the the World Cup at home. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, it's surprising. I think Dave Rennie, I, I do feel really sorry for him. I think um, with that squad, I think he wasn't a bit of a hard engine. I think that obviously it is tough, not lucky. Like maybe they wanted him to bring more trophies. I don't know what the mandate was. The mandate was to sort of po- try and put together a squad that could compete in the World Cup. I thought he was on his way to do that. I think, obviously, I know they then in the out of the pool. Come next year. When we come this year, sorry. Um, but I think even with Dave Rennie, they could have still gone to like Tyler tweeted, they still could have gone to a semi-final spot. I think with Eddie Jones, the short-term turnaround. But the turnaround for me is what I don't understand. Is yeah, why don't like when, like it's not sort of like, sort of like it's like for example like the All black side who were former giants and sort of now trying to sort of compete like the Wallabies. They are a young side. I mean, they were not they were not expect him to sort of be doing well today. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's very it's very interesting what they did, but. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Jones, it's going to be, oh man, it's, it's going to be uh, a roller coaster. I mean, it, and also, like, for Dev he just came from a camp as well. Like, why <laughs> let me go to camp and then fire him <laughs> three days later? Like, you know, like, you know like, that
0: these, like, these negotiations have happened properly, covertly when that sort of stuff happened when it goes down. Eh? Yeah. Like, like,
1: don't send me on a camp and then, like, and then you know you're going to fire him. Like, like, you could spend the time with his kids, you know, find a way back to New Zealand. But you know, no, it's, it, I think it's, it, it, it's probably, I can't remember being more shocked by news in a long time. I saw it this morning and I was genuinely, genuinely like, uh, literally like almost fell off the bed as I was shocked because I, I did not expect Dave Rayner to be, yeah, I, I thought he was one of the few coaches, one of the safest coaches actually, and I, I did not expect him to be fired. Yeah,
0: yeah. I tell you, uh, um, I, when I saw the news this morning, one of the first tweets that came up on my timeline was Drew Mitchell. And Drew Mitchell said that <laughs> last week he spent three days with the Wallabies and he put like a little mini thread together saying he spent it um, with the Wallabies it was so amazing thanks so much for for the team and and the coaches for letting him spend time and he got some he had he had, a, he had a great he spent great amount of time with the players and everyone and he replied to that thread today going I did not see this coming at all there was no inkling of it like he just didn't know about it at all so. <laughs> Well done to whoever masterminded these negotiations. Um, you, you'll you have a job in the future if people want to, uh, want to have things quiet. But on the topic of Tyler, he he gave a few of his thoughts. He couldn't make it today. Um, but he said uh, the, um, he's not convinced Eddie Jones would do better than Dave Rennie in the long term because Rennie was, was getting something together and he says the only reason why he would bring Eddie Jones into the mix if, if he would convince Scott Wisemantle to come back to the Wallabies. <laughs> Jared, Wisemantle is a massive massive loss, but w- what is your thoughts on uh on Eddie Jones? Um I know that you mentioned that you you think it's a great move. Um what are what are your other thoughts on the on what happened?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh we, we do sort of Everyone's uh, sort of alarmed that it has its like a big shock, and it is harsh on Dave Rennie. But like, I—I I just thought about it this way: like, uh, Dave Rennie isn't a bad coach. Like, uh, like, let's throw it back to Alessio Cadizia. Alessio Cadizia wasn't a bad coach, okay. Um, and let's say here the record that Dave Rennie had this season, um, and all <coughs> of a sudden Rasi became available. Or yeah. Let's you know, say Rossi became available. And you had the chance to bring Rasi in before the World Cup. You would take it. Like it wasn't I don't think it was necessarily that Rennie was doing a bad job. I think they just thought, well, Eddie Jones is available and we rate Eddie Jones as a better coach. So let's just get him on board. So that's that's how I sort of see it. I think they've um done great to do this with um uh for Eddie and get Eddie into the into the mix we're we sort of saying that he is a short-term fix like look how quickly he turned England around in 2016 um I think he could probably do the same and it's sort of the same environment where um England had Lancaster who underperformed with but developed a pretty decent squad and Dave's sort of done the same thing at the Wallabies now Eddie comes in and fine tunes it and yeah I, I would expect australia to be a big threat um and with such a they they have got quite a young squad so i think him staying on to the lions tour is very very much a, a possibility and yeah i think uh, that he could turn australia into a real powerhouse again and not just a team that can perform um for for 6 months and then fall off for the next 6 months because that's sort of what we've seen um under Dave Redney. They haven't really been consistent if we if we're honest about it. And yeah, they would run New Zealand close and then the next week they'd get beaten by 50 points by New Zealand. So yeah, that's sort of the results you could expect from Argentina, but you don't really want that from the Wallabies, especially with a home World Cup coming up and a Lions series coming up.
0: Hmm. Interesting from, uh, one piece of controversial news to another, um, we're going to move on to the champions cup, but we're going to start off on the, on the red card situation. Now there, I know Pat Silliers is, uh, um, is, is quite being quite vocal about it. I know we, the, I personally messaged him on Twitter and then I know that the rugby verse as well, because he, he, he doesn't, he wants to do away with red cards. He feels that, um, we need to be punishing the individual and not the team. Um, but we had six red cards this weekend, of which one of them would possibly, could possibly have got away with as a yellow. But you can see how it was a red. However, other than that, there were five clear-cut red cards for me. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'm not sure how, how we're going to go about them. I can't even name them all for you at the moment. But I know Slade was red carded against the Bulls. Where he definitely hit on the shoulder of Kirtly arenser and then slid up and then really made good decent contact with his head and neck and yanked him down, so that was that was the iffy one but um the one that's probably getting most of it was the um Benjamin Loder against Manny Lebock, where he's gone up high um sort of and made a head on head contact and and has gone off he hasn't finished the game, he failed his h i a One thing that I I want to point out, like AP Crenier highlighted on on his Twitter line, is um, that the Guardian are essentially blaming Lubbock for holding onto the ball too long, causing the high tackle, which is absolute bullshit. Um, But Cooks... You know, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, considering <laughs> the rugby business already tweeted about it and there's four of us on here. So, um, might as well get your thoughts on it so we can make sure that if I am tweeting again that I can at least get everyone's opinion on it, but what's, um, what's the situation with the red cards? How do you feel about it?
1: First of all, I, I don't think rugby needs to do away with, with the red cards. Um, um, in that belief that records don't ruin games, dangerous tackles and dangerous playing, players ruin games. That's and that twenty minute record as well. I'm, I've, I've, I think I said I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I, I think this is going to sound like an unpopular opinion, obviously, because a lot of people on Twitter and people saying that they've been soft. At least there was, there was some sort of consistency. That's where I was like, at least there's some sort of formal of consistency if. Three of them were given, like say, and the, if three of them were given and some, and some were not, especially the high tackles thing, then it starts an issue again of like, what is, well, like, what's, what's, what's team a head on, what's team is not a... You look at the Slade one, was, that's probably the, in inverted commas, the softest of them all. But I would rather have clarity in terms of, this is a, a clear red card. So these players and officials and, and coaches know what is a red card for high tackle, for dangerous tackle, with their steps up and I think if, the, if, if they're going to be very firm on that that's the stance they must keep for each competition I know obviously Super Rugby Pacific last year it was basically on who can get the most red cards was also just literally trying to decapitate each other but I mean like I think going into this season I think if they can make have a stance I think they should have it now and sort of and and that's then we know that's the parameters and then we can go from there.
2: Yeah, so I think we uh, sort of need to speak about uh, the the slide red card. Um, and like I'll just share my thoughts on it quickly because I think it was harsh, and um, it could quite easily have been a penalty and at most a yellow card. I think they got it wrong that it was a red card, and yeah, I think uh, as Ashkins we do quite a bit of ref bashing, but I think uh, this time we can just look at some of the mitigation in this, uh, in this one is that they had a group of French referees that they've given the directive to speak, um, in, uh, c- communicate in English most of the time, which is just mad. Like why they had to speak between the referee and the TMO in English when they both Frenchmen, they should have sorted that out. And, um, the other thing is is that the referee had just been replaced by, uh, after Raynaud pulled his hamstring and the younger referee coming on was making his Euro debut and he got little to no support from his assistant referees and his TMO and then still got the decision wrong. So I, I, I think it, it was a big clusterfuck, that one. And it's one that we can sort of take out of the equation from the weekend. Um Sean, I just pulled up that thing that AP shared from The Guardian on Ben Loder's um red card and uh, I cannot believe what I'm reading that they sort of suggesting that um firstly that Marnie LeBock should have um if L- Marnie Lebok, uh, delayed his pass, which caused the the red card for Loder because it messed up his timing on his tackle. And then it also seems to like angle towards that Angelo Davids overran his um support line, which which led to the red card, which is just as bad. But yeah, anyway, Les Kiss also spoke about that diabolical. red card.
0: It's, it's horrendous. Yeah, it's,
2: it's diabolical. It is horrendous. And the thing is, is that you, you, you can't make any excuses for it. And then you look at the team like London Irish um, this season that have just been leaking red cards left, right, and center. I mean, they have Adam Coleman who keeps on getting red carded. Um, they had um, R- Rob Simmons uh, got suspended because he's racked up so many yellow cards. Like there's obviously an issue with the tackling um, at, at London Irish, and they're not addressing it. But they would rather just get pissed off and moan about it during the game. But do you think, like, what do, what does one do in a situation that? If
1: one team is constantly giving away cards, it has to be like a team ban or you got know, minus points. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I, I don't think so. Like, they're they losing matches anyway and they're getting players suspended. So I think the disciplinary process needs to be centralized and they don't need to run it uh, like the RFU did with uh, Owen Farrell now to make sure that he plays the opening Six Nations match. I think it does need to be a central thing where it's World Rugby that does it and it's not handled by the RFU or the EPCR or the United Rugby Championship. That We just get a little bit of... Um, consistency with the with the not only the decisions by the referees but the disciplinary panels
0: yeah interesting um but i I just want to give my two cents on a on a few things that i see popping up in in rugby and i find it very frustrating and i I don't even know if i'm going to be able to articulate this well enough for everyone to understand what my thoughts are but I, i there's this constant thing of like when a player goes in to clear someone out and he does it illegally or he goes in to tackle someone the first reaction is well what is he supposed to do and it's for me that's not the right way of looking at it because it's not what is he supposed to do the reason why a guy comes in and absolutely he, he like bomb blasts a ruck to try and spray everyone out is because there's another player who's in the ruck that has done a better job he's got on the ball so the the guy who's clearing the ruck out is in a bad position. He's rushing and he wants to do it with force because he wasn't, he's not in the right place. So he's basically, he's basically stuttering. So he, he then goes, he's like, well, cool. I'm not going to clear this guy out legally. So the only other way I'm going to do it legally is by absolutely smashing him as hard as possible. And then it turns out being illegal because when you do things harder, when you run to tackle someone harder or, when you're bad, when you're bad footed or something like that, because someone stepped you, you make bad decisions. And that's because the opposition has done a better job at being in a position that's going to allow them to win and therefore you on the back foot. So he, that team or that individual has done a better job at rugby than you and you have lost the battle. And that is why, and that is what I see happening so much. Like, a player loses a, a battle or loses a something in the rugby game and then commits a foul. It's not intentional. It's a knee-jerk reaction to do something. Like when a guy steps in, you immediately rock one way and then you're going to catch him with a coat hanger. We see it happen so often. That's because the attacking player has done good enough to beat you and then you're scrambling. And and that's what we need to understand. Like you don't always have to be able to tackle a player. You don't always have to be able to clear a ruck. The other guy's done a better job for you, and when you scramble to try and fix a situation that's wrong, you make an error. You must pay the price for it. Yeah, not sure if yeah, you guys want from, to add uh, any more to that, Cooks.
1: No, I, I, com- I completely agree with you, Sean. I think that's what the issue lies in. Like you said, like it, it, it is frustrating, and it, it, like it leads to my, my one of my biggest pet peeves, also in rugby, at the moment and with and, and, and refereeing what tends to happen, especially with these with these high tackles or with those high tackles, what happens is if the ref, if for example, let's say it's the Bulls versus the Stormers and the Bulls get given a yellow card that should be a red, what tends to happen is the Stormers do the exact same thing. Now the ref goes, the I can't give the Stormers a red card now because I gave the Bulls a yellow card. And then what happens now, now you have, now you have two bad calls as opposed to wh- one bad call, Keku made a mistake, you make up for a good call. And, and it happens so many times in these games where, with, especially with the tackle laws and I remember, and like four passes, I remember in that Stormers and Lions game on the 30, I think it was on the 31st where basically the Stormers were playing American football at the stage and the ref gave a try because he had, he had, he had missed one before. So it was like, he was like I'll, I'll make up one and give you a try. And I think that's what concerns me with these yellow cards is, and these red cards, where at least in the weekend, well, if, if a red's got to give me a red, that's fine. But like my biggest is going forward is, because now these things are being called soft. Someone's, Next week we might get a almost almost and he gets given a yellow card and then same thing happens in the the uh, players and coaches are coaches and go, But wait, wait a minute, but last week that was a red, but now it's a yellow card. Now you can't give this one a yellow card now because you would really give it a yellow card and then it's you get that sort of what you call it that that's going just justice, but it's like closer it justice, it's two it's two shit calls being made in the game now. And now was, I was that two shit calls don't make don't make up for a, don't don't make a right call. So yeah, I yeah. think that's 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 my biggest worry at the moment with these tackle laws and, and the way they're being official.
0: I hate, I hate hearing fans going, oh, it's justice for X, Y, and Z. Does my freaking mm-hmm. head in. Jared?
2: Yeah, look, I, I, I think uh, this weekend they were a decently consistent. Um, I mean, I think the, the only one that anyone's really complaining about is Henry Slade's one. And yeah, we've sort of said it was the wrong decision. And I don't expect him to get suspended for his tackle. I don't know if you guys think that, but yeah, Munster seemed to accept. I can see Jack how he got a red
0: card. I mean, he he's. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, can go. see how he got a red card, Slade, because I mean, he's really ripped him, Kurtianse, at, uh, at the head and neck, but he hasn't made direct contact. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you know, even if it is a well, it was a red. Even if if it was maybe a yellow on the day, I, I think that he'll get very very low ban or no ban at all. But I'm okay with that call being a red card, even if it would be against the Springboks. I think mm. like there's enough head contact there, it's dangerous, like so yeah, yeah but so, but you yeah
2: Jack O'Donna used one uh, Munster seemed to accept most of the fans seemed to accept it. um Corbis Visa's red card was fucking clear cut, it was actually nasty, that mm. one, I uh, slid you with your shoulder the on the back watch. of the neck. It was nasty. York, Kieran Barker's terrible, one terrible. against uh, uh, the Stormers was just as bad. And yeah, he had been on the pitch for two minutes. So you can't say that one was fatigue or anything like that. Um, and yeah, luckily, Dion no, Free came out of that Jared, one. I'm last, sorry. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I'm talking about. Like there was a, a clean out on Free, which actually I, I feel came from the side, and he was nearly cleaned out. But then Parker comes in and the battle is lost. London Irish have lost that battle. And they're just so desperate to make something of their time on the Stormers line that he goes in and does that. And that that's what I'm talking about. Those moments where you lose the battle and therefore you commit to doing something harder, faster, different, and it ends up being illegal and and looks much, much, much worse. But yeah, sorry, Jared, you were running through the reds. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yep,
2: I, 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 that's the Reds that I sort of saw this weekend. Um, I don't know if you uh, saw any of the others, but uh, yeah, but I think those were the ones that I saw. I'm
0: watching. Uh, I'm, I'm watching what could and in South Africa. I'm watching what can only be described as patchy rugby. I get to watch like thirty minutes here of one game, and then three games <laughs> later, I get to watch another thirty minutes. So it's, <laughs> it's hard catching up. Um, it's hard catching up, but. Yeah, I think we're going to have to jump into to the Champions Cup. Um, I don't think we're going to have too much time for Challenge Cup, but Champions Cup we're going to go through. I'm just going to quickly go through the results, and then we're going to dive through and spend a little bit of time on the on the South African sides. So, big thing that's coming out of uh, out of Europe at the moment is this Pool A and Pool B, both made up of twelve sides, but the top eight qualify for the last sixteen. The South African sides will qualify and be able to in inverted commas play home games in south africa for the round of 16 and the quarterfinals the semi-finals they are not they will not be playing in south africa and then the final is always at another venue a pre-decided venue it's in dublin So, rds eh, jared
2: uh yeah it was i think it was supposed to be in marseille and they've moved it to the rds
0: yeah it's at the rds so just a quick one. Uh, um, automatic qualifications. Oh, the Aviva. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. The Aviva. But it's in it's in Dublin, so we can go have some Guinness. Um, and lots of it. So pool A already qualified. Leinster, Sharks, Saracens, Exeter, Edinburgh have all qualified. Five, five teams. That's the order that matters for the next for the final round. In the running are Bulls, Harlequins, Russing, and then they're all in the top eight. And then after that, Gloucester, Leon. So probably Gloucester realistically are still in with a shout there. Leon are in with an outside shout. In Pool B, there are only three qualifications already. That's uh, Toulouse, La Rochelle, and Leicester Tigers. Stormers, and Osprey, and Munster are pretty much qualified. Pretty much, but it's not confirmed. Montpellier and uh, Clermont are in the, the make-up, the rest of the eight followed by Sale Sharks and then Ulster. Ulster have got three points. They'll do exceptionally well to qualify, but they still have a shot. So that's where we are. Going over the weekend's results, um, I'm going to quickly shoot through them. Um, Leicester Tigers beat Clermont at the Marcel Michelin 44-29. Massive result there. Toulouse with a massive win over Sale. I thought that game was excellent. I thought Toulouse played that game so well. They were scratchy in the first half. In the second half, they played what can only be described as boring rugby and that they had the wind with them and they literally just played territory and scored. It was incredible rugby. like The, the maturity of the way they played was, was world-class. Uh, Leinster rugby running right against Gloucester. I thought there'd be more, a little bit more of a fight put up by, by Gloucester. Um, but uh, Leinster won 14-49. Munster beat Saints 27-23 at Tommen Park. Um, great result for Munster in the se- context of their season and a few other goodies. Um, the Sharks beat Bordeaux in Durban, 32 3. Big result. Quite a scratchy game. Bordeaux didn't seem up for it and the Sharks didn't really put them away. La Rochelle, <laughs> 7, Ulster, 3. Absolute <laughs> crazy game in torrential downpours. Ulster were leading all the way, 3 0. Not all the way, but it was 0 0 for first half and bit of second half. Then 3 0, they were up and then. La Rochelle scored a try at the end to win it. Heartbreak again for Ulster. Bulls beat Exeter 39-28 at Loftus. Ospreys doing the double over the top 14 champions. Montpellier, brilliant, brilliant result for Ospreys. Saracens beating Lyon, just running, just going hard. Um, Edinburgh beat Castro. Stormers beat London Irish yesterday. I thought the Stormers could have done a bit better. Um, they all looked very disappointed at the end of the game um, mm. and rightfully so. I think it, it's great to see. Um, they looked disappointed. They should have won by more. They got a bonus point win, but you would have expected them to put 40 odd points on there. And then in the final game of the weekend and something we were all looking forward to, but Russing hosted Harlequins and it went down to the wire and Russing 12 <laughs> <laughs> because they had three yellow cards beat Harlequins 30-29. So they had three yellow cards in the last 10 minutes. So they had 12 players on the park and they managed to hold out Quinns. Quite, quite incredible. But yeah, um, Jared, your thoughts uh, in, a, in a nutshell on, on the weekend's tournament? Round, should I say? Round? Oof.
2: It's quite a lot of matches to put in a nutshell. When
0: I was reading them my yeah. own house.
2: Yeah, it's it's awkward. I, I I'm quite happy that the South African teams came away with uh, three wins and I think there was only two losses for URC teams this weekend, which is uh, another big one. Um obviously Ulster going to La Rochelle was always gonna be a tough one and yeah, Agaras men just just edged it there. Um yeah, I, I, if, you go, if you haven't watched one of the games this weekend, I would suggest going to watch Ospreys versus Montpellier. That was a cracking match. Um, Justin Ziparik doing Justin Ziparik things. Um, nice sure. to see Elliot Daly record to the England squad after scoring a hat-trick for Saracens. Um, yeah, I echo your thoughts on the Stormers match. Um, you could see that they were upset with the, with the results and that they probably deserve more from it um yeah i i think the sharks were were pretty sharp um i think they i think actually all the south african teams could have racked up bigger wins than they did and uh yeah the the bulls um like slipped off near the end of the match and they allowed exeter to pick up that bonus points and yeah they could have properly put them away and uh i think the sharks could have done a quite a bit more against Bordeaux, but uh, it's great to see Lucanio Am um playing like Lucanio Am um again and see a Khaleesi taking Springbok performances into a Sharks jersey and fucking dominating.
0: Khaleesi is uh, loving his rugby. Um, <laughs> nothing better. Nothing better. I love, I love yeah. watching him play rugby. Just a little side note before I jump onto you, Cooks, but you know that Clermont, they were, they were in with a shout against Leicester um uh in france on friday night do you know that if clement had beaten leicester tigers they would have beaten at home they would have beaten the premiership champions the urc champions and the top 14 champions in one season how's that and and they've gone and sacked their coach now <laughs> oh yeah Bra- breaking breaking when you all hear this, it'll be so old news. They would have hired someone and sacked them as well by then. But uh, Jonah Gibbs is gone. Um, but yeah, so anyway, don't, 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 don't go steal my thunder, man. But anyway, imagine imagine playing in a season and you beat the top European domestic champions for for each league. I think that's that would have been quite something. Anyway, it hasn't been done. So it's something to look forward to. It's really difficult to do with the way the Champions Cup is set up. So hopefully next year we'll we'll see someone do it. But Cooks, I know you, you've been uh, more focused on, on, the, on the round ball being hoiked for sixes. Um, but your, your thoughts on, on the South African sides and the Champions Cup as a whole?
1: I must say I really enjoyed it, um, the, the bits and pieces of words. But um, I must say, I mean, I think the last one was the part Sean Everett of the coach the shots and, was, and um, <laughs> the shots sort of seemed like... And the Stormers um,
0: were still in Super Rugby.
1: Yeah, i yeah, still, <laughs> real, I <was> still <laughs> at least at least yeah. you know, pretty much. Um I, I must say, I mean, the shots, I mean, this is some of the last couple of weeks. It's been so good and refreshing to see them sort of like the most fun like an attack they had no direction at, at the end of Sean Everett's ball. I mean I mean and uh, and now this they been cooking at the moment. It's been great to see Con Bosch already playing the weekend. It's been great to see him playing again and and playing well again, actually. Uh, sort of Probably the shots have not looked this good since that 2020 um, Super Rugby campaign they were cut short. And the Stormers are just obviously uh, a class outfit. So, I mean, but I find it interesting. I don't know what you guys think. Every time I watch the Bulls in the Champions Cup, I almost don't know which competition they want to win. I don't know if, they want to, if they're trying to win both. Or, but it's like sometimes Jaguars risk guys when they're when they playing a UFC game, they risk a few, you're you supposed to play a Champions Cup, a Champions Cup game. It's almost like I still think the Bulls don't know who their best starting side is. And, and that's, what I, what, what, that's a sense I get whenever I, whenever I watch them. Um, or maybe they, they just don't know which competition they want to win. I think, both, I don't know if they're doing like a ini mini mini mo, and then sort of see how the season goes until the end. I don't know how Jokes feel like it. It does feel like the Bulls sort of don't know what their best side is. I, like last year's a bit of consistency. Now I'm like, when I watch them, I, I just can't make out which side Jake sort knows to pick.
2: Yeah, uh, Cooks, it's actually saying no, I wrote it's... about this, this weekend, but uh, I, th- I think they sort of discovered that this weekend and came, pretty much figured out that their best team was the team that played against uh, against Exeter. I think Querson uh, offers them a lot off of the bench. Um, Smith is more controlled and a bit more tactical. Um, so I think that sort of uh, answers that one. Um, and their pack is finally doing some some bits uh tala and i spoke a lot about scrums last week on the on the podcast and it was great to see that follow on this weekend into the uh into the champions cup so so yeah i I think uh simulani's finally starting to um improve his defense and yeah he picked got an interception trial which uh does show that uh he's he's getting a bit sharper so yeah, I I think they they did learn a lot this weekend having Cornwall Hendricks out does will change up their backline a bit, but he can sort of slot in anywhere. But I think they they figured out David Creel on the one wing, um Kaden Moody on the other wing, and uh Kirkley fullback is probably the best way going forward. And their pack was just fantastic this weekend again.
1: What's the, yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 Bulls did cook I oh, 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 talking about the stormers quickly, I wanted to ask you. How- I want to ask you something. Um, do you, I mean, the Storms obviously won the URC. I mean, they've been cooking, playing incredible rugby. Where do you, they rank in Europe slash South? Like, would you say they are in Leinster territory? I mean, they, they won the URC last year, or are they just below the top tier in terms of Toulouse, Leinster? I mean, the Storms lost, I think they lost one or two games last year? I mean, they've been playing serious, 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 serious rugby.
0: I, I was actually having a think about this earlier, funny enough. If I had to look at the champions, if I had to look at, um, uh, sorry, not the champions. If I had to look at like, like where the yardstick is, so Leinster currently are probably the best team in Europe at the moment um, with you looking at results. I think the Stormers are definitely below them. Um if you had to look at, say like a, a a five game sort of test series or series, um with regards to Leicester Tigers, I think it'd be pretty, pretty even. and I think with regards to uh, Toulouse and uh, La Rochelle or most of the French sides, like home in a way, I think stormers would probably pay better away, so therefore um they like I, I think the stormers are probably third, maybe fourth best out of out of all competition um at the moment they they they're building they've had a couple of scratchy scratchy results but they do put some stuff together they've got they've got the pack to deal with with most people they've got the backline that'll kill many a team um but, but who haven't really been firing so much at the moment so i think they're probably if i had to look at the URC the top 14 and the premiership i'd say the Stormers would probably be third maybe fourth out of all of them Derek.
2: yeah um i think i'll I'll with Tala and uh, put it in tiers. Like I think uh, you, you have that top tier which is probably Leinster. At the moment it's probably Leinster, Saracens and Toulouse and those three teams are the three teams you definitely don't want to play in this competition as in, especially in a knockout game and I think the Storm has come in in that second tier with uh, La Rochelle and um, yeah I, th- I think La Rochelle and Maybe Exeter, in my, yeah. This weekend's game does throw that one off a bit, but I think the, the Stormers are sort of not quite at their top uh, tier. But they on that next one, and uh, yeah, uh, it's probably Leicester Tigers before Borthwick left and show um, at the moment. So that's where I sort of see them. They like in that second tier, but not quite as good as as the top tier guys and yeah, you, you won't really want to play
0: them. <laughs> That's a great call. I like that, that tearing system. Um, I actually completely didn't even think about it we, can, we should probably put something together where we, we, we start voting on our tiers, and it's, we can run this, uh, run this all the way through the, uh, the season anyway, um, should be, should be some, some good fun. Um, cooks, do you need, do you want to add anything before I go through the weekend's fixtures?
1: You're um, talking about tiers. I think if we, if we had to do a tiers of most fun sides to watch at the moment, I know they're in the, they're in the Champions Cup, but G is Cardiff is fun to watch. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know they beat the Stormers. I mean, that's probably one of the best games I've but just in terms of entertainment, oh man, like if we, if we ever get a chance, this Cardiff game is probably one of those game. I think they're one, of the, they're one of those teams at the moment, but if you're flicking channels and they're playing, uh, I'll, i end up watching regardless of how much time the game is in when you, know, you missed like 30 minutes. I think, yeah, I, think, yeah, I was talking about tears. I think it would be a fun sort of first phase to put together in tiers of which teams are the most fun to watch at the moment. I just, yeah, I think I, I tend to find myself, when I'm looking at rugby, the fiction for the weekend, I tend to kind of see when and where it's playing because they've been, geez, they've been fun to watch, especially with Hugh Jones playing, playing such good rugby at the moment. So that's my uh, that's card, of, card of blue shout out glasgow Oh, sorry i meant glasgow sorry i was
0: uh i was having a think about this and i'm like scanning through you trying to figure out but and i was thinking i must i have to mention uh, glasgow warriors like that game and yes cooks you're 100 right that game was ridiculous it was just backline versus backline and all like who blinks first it was incredible Hugh piloti the new uh the new best center pairing in the world eh? 100% good.
1: Crit- that's, that's what Scotland needs to, to sort of pick, but to pick in the centers for the Six Nations. But watch them to pick mm. stupid Gregory Townsend. Why did not he get fired today?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I think. England then, and then, like, he's <laughs> his job for like five years. He's going beat England again. Uh-huh. He's going to beat England again. He's like, oh, sorry, guys. This is what I do. I'm tired of that guy, man. I'm tired of that guy.
2: And and he's uh, put his name forward for the crazy. French assistant job after the World Cup, so he's going to be the the coach yes. for France, which is it's crazy to go from a head coach role to assistant coach at like one of the rival teams. Like that's just it's just crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I think Glasgow have um, found the perfect coach for them since um, I think they've struggled somewhat since uh, Dave Rennie's left and Franco Smith. Like if if there was a like a team. That Franco goes and divorces the cheaters like completely out of his life. Like Glasgow would be the next, like, best wife that he could get. And it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant mix, the two of them. But uh, Sean, I don't know if you noticed this, but one of the Challenge Cup um, teams could go into the knockout stages having not won a single game Challenge
0: Cup or Champions Cup?
2: challenge cup so the pool yes, a, I did. a team can go through
0: <laughs> yeah
2: with with uh, yes. having not won a single match the
0: challenge, the champions cups yeah yeah the champions cups also like you could you could uh win one of your games and, and make it through to the knockouts so very interesting i i still prefer i would love to see the south african teams in the old setup um i'd love to see how we approach it um but yeah we're we are gents. I apologise uh, due to load shedding. I'm going to have to wrap this up. I'm going to quickly go through the uh, the fixtures for the weekend. So on Friday we've got Leicester Tigers versus Ospreys. Going to be massive um, because uh, Tigers have qualified already, but Ospreys I think they're going to they're going to give it their all. Uh, Tigers probably having qualified might just take it a little easy. Um, Saturday starts off with Lyon versus the Bulls in France. Um, that's that's going to be interesting. Bulls uh, need to grab a win there to guarantee their way through, but I'm pretty sure they're through. I think Leon need a bonus point win, and they could sneak in. Harlequins versus Sharks from the stupid Twickenham, um, that's going to be massive. Sharks have qualified already. Quins are there and thereabouts, so you might see the Sharks in resting some of the Springboks because they are going to have to start managing managing that if they want to go deep in both the tournaments. Saints versus Shell in uh, from Northampton. That's going to be a good game. Bordeaux versus Gloucester, um, very interesting. That's in Bordeaux. I think Gloucester are going to want to bounce back. I think Bordeaux playing at home also going to want to bounce back. Less Leinster versus Racing ninety two is probably the game of the weekend. Um, I think Racing are going to uh, want to roll Leinster early, um, and it's at the Aviva. So French teams and traveling is a different story. Stormers host Clermont. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Exeter host Castre. Ulster host Sale. That's going to be good to watch because I think if Ulster lose, they're going to be short to coach. Sunday, Montpellier, London Irish. Toulouse versus Munster, massive. And then Edinburgh versus Saracens, also fairly large. But gents, wrapping up, um, Jared, thank you very, very much, mate. Any, any passing thoughts before you, before you jump off?
2: Uh, yeah, just uh, I think we missed it last weekend, but uh, just want to wish uh, Jake White all the best and hope uh, he's feeling better. I see he's been uh, uh, dis- discharged from the hospital. So yeah, just good luck. Uh, hope Jake White is uh, feeling better and he gets back onto the pitch as soon as possible.
0: Great shot. And that's from all of us at Rugby Bits as well. Cooks, um, you got a little bit more crickets and you're actually home for a few days. So you managed to fill the fridge. Any, any planning on getting any rugby in or you want to uh, get your couch time in?
1: <laughs> no, definitely getting some rugby in. Fridge is full, so um, gonna be going to be basically emptying the fridge. So I'm emptying the fridge while chowing everything, while watch, catching up with some rugby. And uh, I promise not to come back in May. I'll be back soon.
0: And nice. And have you found yourself picking up the phone, asking room service for a toasted sandwich and then realizing you have to make it yourself?
1: No, th- th- this this um room service are called Uber Eats, actually. So yeah, it's works <laughs> the same way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> same, same, but different, eh? Not all heroes wear capes. This costs a little bit uh, more. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about it. Um massive thanks to everyone that listened. We really appreciate it. We're looking forward to having a huge year to World Cup year and From all of us at Rugby Bits, Tyler, we missed you, mate. We can't wait to have the full team on soon. Um, Keep an eye on our social channels for um, some more first-phase questions, which normally come out on Friday. Enjoy the rugby and have a great one. Goodbye.